Welcome to Inside and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Fomichenko. Today, we continue bridging science and spirituality to unlock our full potential and personal growth. My guest today is one of the most inspirational authors whose book I read, the author of The Biology of Belief, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Dr. Bruce is a cell biologist and lecturer. He is an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. Bruce was on the faculty of the University of Wisconsin's School of Medicine and later performed a groundbreaking stem cell research at Stanford University. For more information, please visit www.brucelipton.com. Dr. Bruce, welcome. Welcome to Inside the Million podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here with you because your work is going around the world. There are people in this audience from all across the, the planet. So I want to thank you for this opportunity. So uh, maybe we could help people uh, not get into fear <laughs> about what's happening on this planet. Thank you. Yeah, that's an amazing objective uh, for for the topic of today, which is mind and body connection right and you've done a lot of work on this field and one of your books which is one of my favorite books ever the biology of belief this book basically challenges the notion that our dna is the most important determinant in our life <laughs> and you argue that on the cellular level it is the membrane that plays the key role. So could you please explain why it is the case and how a cell membrane is connected to the function of mind? Oh, okay. Well, let's start with the idea that I used to be a professor in a medical school and I was teaching what most people have learned, that genes apparently control the character of our life. Well, my life is controlled by genes. And I'm just a victim of my heredity. Whatever I've been downloaded with, that's going to manifest in my life. And that's why people are so afraid. There's cancer in the family and they say, oh, I'm going to get the cancer gene or Alzheimer's or diabetes or heart disease. And I, I go, well, first, let me tell people some very important fact. Less than 1%, less than 1% of disease is even connected to genes. Okay. Oh, wow. And I said, incredible. It is because I say, then where's all the disease coming from? Because we have a health crisis all over the planet. And the answer is stress. Stress is responsible for 90% of disease on this planet. And there's a very important reason. And I'll give you right off number one. When we're in stress, we release stress hormones into the body. And the stress hormones, one of the first things stress hormones do is shut off the immune system. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I say, well, this is important because stress is the belief that we're running from a saber-toothed tiger, that something is threatening us. Stress is threat. <laughs> and, yeah. and so uh, when you're running from a tiger, you want all the energy you can get together to run away. Uh, and the immune system uses a lot of energy, but that's for protection on the inside. So, yep. uh, you know, if you've ever been sick, you probably realize you didn't have an energy to get out of bed sometimes. And I go, yeah. So if the energy, if the immune system is using a lot of energy, uh, and you're trying to run away from a tiger, it's like, no, no, don't worry about the inside of the body. Worry about the tiger first. Yeah. Uh, and so the body shuts off the immune system 
when we're in what is called fight or flight, when we're in stress, okay? And stress and, is generated by mind, essentially, uh, it's by a brain. Perception, it's a belief. Huh? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, two people can be in the same place, and one of them's like, oh, this is scary. And the other one's like, hey, life is great. And I go, wait, they're in yeah. the same place. I go, no, it's what you believe is affecting you, not the outside. The outside, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, is involved with your belief. But it's your belief that affects the whole thing. Back 50 years ago, I did experiments, what's called cloning. Cloning means you put one, one cell, one cell in a petri dish, just one. Mm -hmm. And it divides every 10 hours. So first you have one cell, then 10 hours later, two cells, and 10 hours later, four cells, and it doubles and it doubles and it doubles. At the end of the week, I have 30,000 cells in the petri dish. But the point is this. They all came from one parent. And I say, so what does that mean? And I say, all of them are genetically the same. 30,000 genetically identical cells. So I say, that's how I start the experiment. Then I do what? I put the cells in three different Petri dishes. So I put 10,000 cells into each dish. But we grow cells in a fluid uh, called culture medium or growth medium. I made three different versions of culture medium, slight, slight chemical change. So I have three different versions. The culture medium is the environment that mm -hmm. the cells are living in. In one dish, the cells form muscle. In the other dish, the cells form bone. In the third dish, the cells form fat cells. I go, interesting. What controlled the fate? Why muscle, bone, fat? Well, what controlled that? And I go, well, first of all, all the cells are genetically the same. Yeah. Okay. So I can't say genes cause this. Why? They all had the same genes. Mm. I said, so what caused the difference? Muscle, bone, fat. And I said, the environment, the culture medium. Now I go, yeah, but wait, a human, when you look in the mirror, you see yourself, I'm just one person. I go, yeah, but yeah. a human is made out of 50 trillion cells. We are a giant community of cells. I say, but under the skin. So I say, oh, we are skin-covered Petri dishes. Under mm. the skin, 50 trillion cells living in my culture dish. So skin is the medium to the environment. In well, the case. skin is the, the separation from the environment. And inside your body, guess what? You have the original culture medium, blood. So I say, so what? I say, it's the chemistry of your blood that controls your genetics. I go, oh, mm -hmm. I say, wow. what? I say, what controls the chemistry of my blood? Because blood is a very complex chemical solution. Yep. The brain, the brain is the chemist that determines what chemicals should be in the blood. Then comes the biggest and most important question. What chemicals should the brain be putting into the blood? Because it's the chemicals in the blood that control the genes. And the answer is most important answer in the world. And the answer is this. Whatever picture we have in our mind, the brain will translate that picture into complementary chemistry. A picture of love in your head makes different chemistry in the blood than a picture of fear, which has different chemistry in the blood. So all of a sudden I say, well, then your thoughts are the source of your blood chemistry. I go, yes, they are. I go, so if you change your thoughts, you change the chemistry. I go, yes, that's true. 
And I said, but it's the chemistry that determines the genetics and the behavior. I go, that's true. And all of a sudden I said, so what's the conclusion? And the answer is this. Your genetic fate is not controlled by the genes. Your fate is controlled by the chemistry of the blood, which is connected to your thoughts. Change your thought and you change the chemistry. Change the chemistry and you change the genetics. I go, oh, the original story that genes control life, we're victims. Oh, the genes did this. I go, that story is not true. The story that is true is your belief, your thoughts are controlling your genes. And therefore, all of a sudden it says, well, then you have to be very careful of your thoughts. I go, exactly. <laughs> because if you're living in love, you have different chemistry. The, uh, if I look at the chemistry of a person in love, they have dopamine in there for pleasure. They have oxytocin that bonds you to your lover. It has growth hormone. Oh, what's growth hormone? It gives us vitality. It gives us health. That's why when people fall in love, they're so healthy. It's the chemistry of love that's in the body that gives us health. But if you're in fear, you don't release love chemistry. You release stress hormones, fear chemistry. I go, what a fear chemistry do? I say, fear chemistry puts you into protection. Love chemistry opens you up. And so stress hormones put us in a protection. Our health and our vitality is not connected to the genes. It's connected to the environment. But then I say, but wait a minute. There's an environment outside. Here, I'm in a room. There's an environment outside. And I say, I'm supposed to adjust my biology to live in that environment. But my cells are in the inside. They can't see what's going on. So how does the cell know what to do? And the answer is this. There's the environment. There's the nervous system. And then there's the body. And I say, what is the point? It's the nervous system that interprets the environment. And that interpretation is the chemistry from the brain that adjusts your biology. I say environment controls genes. Yeah, but here's two people in the exact same environment. One of them's sick and one of them is healthy. You go, I, uh, the environment I thought controlled the genes. I go, no, it's the interpretation of the environment that is different. One person looks at the world and goes, oh, this is scary. And the other one looks at the world and goes, what a beautiful place. I go, what's the difference? The chemistry in each of those bodies is different. One living in fear, one living in love, different chemistry. If people have autoimmune diseases such as cancer, does it mean that it's a product of them living in some sort of fear and wrong interpretation of the environment? Uh, yeah, that's something a good else? question, Natalie, and I'll tell you why. There's not one gene that causes cancer. There's no gene. You have this gene, you get cancer. There's not one gene that causes cancer. I say, then what causes cancer? And I tell you, disharmony between you and the world, that your interpretations are not living in harmony with the world. So your cells are not living in harmony with the world because they're just following what you believe. And if you in harmony with the world, then your belief is to live in harmony. But if you are not in harmony, then you're living under stress. It's stress that caused the cancer. 
Uh, and this becomes important because they say, well, how do you get rid of the cancer? I say, you kill the cancer cells. And I go, no, the cancer cells do not cause the cancer. The cancer cells are the result of the cancer. So you can kill all the cancer cells, but you didn't change the cause. The cause mm. was here. And this is what people have to understand. It's our belief that is controlling the genetic activity. I have an opposite question. Yes. Um, does it mean then if one has cancer already, yes. does it mean that changing their beliefs about the environment may lead to healing? The 100%. 100%. It's the mind that is looking at the world and sending the chemistry to the cells. If you change your mind, you change your chemistry. And you can change your chemistry and go into remission of cancer. I'll give you an example. They studied what happens to babies when they're adopted into a family where there's cancer running in that family. It turns out the adopted child will get the same family cancer as any wow. of the natural kids, except the adopted child came from totally different genetics. What was the point? This is crazy. It's not the genes that caused the cancer. It was the programming when that child was adopted into the family, the behavior was programmed by the parents. And they passed on the problem to their child because it was passed on to them. And when it was passed on to their grandparents, and, and the point about it is it's the programming that causes the problem. Now, my next question would be, how do you change those programming? I'll give you a very brief summary. Okay. Yeah. If you want to understand how you change the programming, first of all, you have to know you've been programmed because <laughs> yeah. most people have Awareness. no idea about it. And I'm going to tell you right now, 95% of a person's life is not coming from the creative wishes and desires, conscious mind. That's the one that, oh, heaven on earth, love, joy, health, happiness. I go, that's conscious mind's wishes. I say, no. 95% of your life comes from the program. I said, where'd you get the program from? I say, you downloaded the programs in the first seven years of your life. I go, what do you mean? Well, the brain is a computer. And I, we have time. I can go into details of it, but it's a computer. Mm -hmm. I go, why is that important? I say, well, I, I can compare the brain to the computer that you use at home. I go, what does it mean? I say, well, when you went out and you bought a computer, in the old days, it didn't have any programs. You could buy a brand new computer. And it, mm -hmm. I say, and brand new, and you push start, and the screen lights up. It's called booted. The screen is yeah. booted. I say, do something. You go, can't do anything. I say, what do you mean? You got a brand new computer. What do you mean you can't do anything? Not until I put programs into the hard drive can I use the computer. This is exactly the same for the brain. The brain is a computer. The screen lights up in the last trimester of pregnancy, the last three months before you're born. The screen lights up. The brain is ready. I say, yeah, ready to do what? I said, well, not until you put programs in it. Can it do anything? So the brain of a human for the first seven years of its life, it's operating at a lower vibration. Meaning when you put wires on a person's head, you read the electrical activity of the head and we, and we put it in terms of vibration. Mm -hmm. There's a high vibration that we're working with you and I right now, and it's called beta. That's like school yeah. working. But when you go home and you relax and you're, you know, the evening, you're slowing down, Alpha. the vibration slows down, 
the next lower vibration is called alpha. So you're now laying in bed and you're so calm that all of a sudden, guess what? You fall asleep. (laughs) And when you fall asleep, it didn't mean the brain shut off, but it meant the conscious part shut off. And the next vibration below, after you fall asleep, is called theta. Mm -hmm. Theta is characterized as imagination and also it's hypnosis. Yeah. And I go, so why is this important? And the answer is this. For the first seven years of a child's life, the brain activity is in theta as the predominant form. Mm. What I say is theta is imagination. I go, yes, of course. Children mix the real world and the imaginary world, imagination. But here's the key. It's hypnosis. I say, why is that important? And I say, for seven years, a child has to learn how to be a member of a family. A child has to learn the rules to be a member of a community. Nature said, okay, first seven years, hypnosis, watch your mother, watch your father, watch your community like a video camera. You download their behavior. The programs, the primary programs that are in your subconscious didn't come from you. They came from your mother, your father, your community. They probably didn't answer your wishes and your desires. 95% of your life, you are not using your conscious wishes and desires to control your life. You're using your subconscious programs. 60% of the programs we downloaded in that first seven years are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs. Exactly. So how to get out of it? (laughs) Not yet. I got to first get into it. (laughs) There are three ways to change the program. Mm -hmm. Number one, uh, well, first of all, is this. A lot of people talk to themselves. Don't do this. Don't do this. I'm going to tell myself. uh, My partner, Margaret, always refers to donuts as circles of death. And so I always love donuts. But then once I start going out with her, it's like, don't eat the donut. Don't eat the donut. So I'm going to try and, you know, tell myself, don't eat the donut. Don't eat the donut. Don't. And then the next thing I find, I'm eating the donut. And I say, yeah. You know, I, like, it's not working. I go, why not? And the answer is this. Who are you talking to? Don't eat the donut. Oh, I'm talking to the subconscious mind where the program is. I go, subconscious mind is a hard drive in the computer. I go, why is that important? I say, talk to your computer for a while and tell me if you can change it. I mean, just talk to it. Hey, hard drive. How about something different? Come on, hard drive. Give me that different. I said, you can talk to your blue in the face. You're not going to change the hard drive. I go, exactly. The subconscious is a hard drive. There's nobody in there. It's a machine. So you can talk to the machine, but there's nobody listening because there's nobody in there. It's a machine. So I say, how do you create a program? Because if you understand how you create it, you use the same technology to change it. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, how did you create it? And I said, the first seven years, hypnosis. you were in a state of hypnosis, theta. It's just after you fall asleep at night, you're in theta. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, in theta, the conscious mind's sleeping. So uh, it doesn't hear anything. But if you put earbuds or earphones on at night, just as you're going to bed, and you put in a program, self-help programs are called, programs that can make a better relationship with somebody, improve your health, improve your job. You put them on. While you're awake, you can hear the program. But the moment you fall asleep, 
you don't hear the program anymore, but the subconscious is in theta. That's hypnosis. So right after you fall asleep, there's a window of opportunity where you are automatically in hypnosis. Unfortunately, the period in theta is not a very long period. So you have to repeat the process for a number of nights. Number two, but you learn new programs after age seven. I go, well, that's different because after age seven, now you're in consciousness. So yeah. I said, well, then how did I learn new program? Like what? Driving a car. You Once you learn how to drive a car, it's a program. Uh, playing a music instrument. Oh, once you know how to play it, it's a program. You don't have to think about it. It's automatic. I go, mm-hmm. well, how'd you get those programs? And here you go. Repetition. Repetition practice. Yeah. Repeating the behavior over and over again. The more you repeat it, the more it turns into a habit. If it's a habit, it's subconscious. If it's subconscious, it's 95% of the day without you using conscious creativity. It's automatic at this point. So now we have two ways. And then the third way, and I go, the third way is new. And the third way is the most fabulous thing in the whole world because the first two ways, repetition, self-hypnosis, take time. You got to take time and repeat it and repeat it. Yeah. The new way is called energy psychology. Interesting. I said, what the heck is that? (laughs) It's not the old fashioned type of psychology where uh, you review, oh, what happened in my life? My mom did this. My dad did that. My best friend did this. And and how they all screwed up my life. And that's when people cry at the, you know, psychologist because why? They're repeating the problem. And I go, that's not helping you to repeat the problem. Why? You already have the program. The, you got the program, the, the people back there that, you know, involved with the program, they're not here. The program is here. So going backwards, that's a waste of time. All it does is just make the program repeat itself. And that's why people cry all the time. I go, don't do that. It's not necessary. You have the program now. I don't care who gave you the program. There's an old phrase that is so important. It's called, don't kill the messenger over the message. Meaning someone delivers you bad news. You don't kill them. It's the source of the bad news, not the delivery of the bad news. So energy psychology doesn't care about what happened in the past. Energy psychology is how do I change the future? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I say, well, most energy psychology gets you into a mind state like you were before age seven. I say, what was that? I say, well, it's essentially called super learning. A child under seven can experience something just once and has a memory of it. Just, they didn't have to repeat it. Under seven, why? They were in a state of hypnosis. Boom, download program instantly, okay? Well, if you can get back into that state. So it's also hypnosis then? It's a hypnosis, but it's not necessarily, it's a hypnosis with an advantage. If you look at a human brain, there's a line right down the middle. And we Mm -hmm. talk about the two halves as hemispheres, left hemisphere, right hemisphere. I go, the two halves of the brains don't have the same function. The left hemisphere is intellectual. The right hemisphere is emotional. The left hemisphere sees the details and the pieces of things. The right hemisphere just sees the whole picture. I'll give you an example. 
if you're looking at a brick wall, the right hemisphere goes brick wall. And mm-hmm. I say, what about the left hemisphere? Left hemisphere says, look at all the bricks making the wall and all the details. Look at all the bricks. It focuses mm-hmm. on the details. When you're under age seven, both hemispheres, right and left, are integrated. They're both mm-hmm. working at the same time. So every experience you have has an intellectual part to that experience and an emotional part to that experience. So every experience has an intellectual and an emotional part. But after age seven, they don't physically separate. They functionally separate. So after age seven, you're not using both hemispheres at the same time. But during the days, there's a cycle like a wave. During the day, sometimes you're more intellectual. Sometimes during the day, a couple hours later, you're more emotional. Then a few hours later, you're more intellectual. And then and I said, what's the point? You're not putting them back together again. You're separating them. If you want to change the belief, you need not just the intellectual part of that belief. You also need the emotional part of that belief to change. So to make a change, you want them to come back together again. That is the foundation of most of what is called energy psychology. If you use energy psychology, you can rewrite a program in 10 or 15 minutes and walk away different. And I go, wow, what a miracle. I go, it is an absolute necessary miracle in the world today because the world today is in a state of chaos. Today's world is living out of harmony. We're destroying the planet, which means we're destroying ourselves. And we have to change the way life is on this planet. Change life, change behavior. Change behavior, reprogram. All of us need to change our programming. And we need to change it really quickly. And that's why energy psychology is such an important uh, invention to help us. Thank you. Let me just help the people out there because I say there are different versions of energy psychology. Mm -hmm. My website, very simple, brucelipton.com has under belief change that uh, in the menu, belief change, 25 or more different ways of using energy psychology, 25 different modalities of energy psychology. I give a paragraph to describe them and a website to connect with them. Thank you so much, Dr. Bruce. That has been so inspirational. There is a lot to think about. But Uh I like how everything sort of brings together the choice and responsibility that you have to take for your own life to get out of the victim state, to get out of the bad programming and create the life you want. And it works and it works. You just have to understand what was the problem. The answer is you first have to change the program to create the life you want. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, and I really appreciate our audience. I hope they understand this because as every one of them changes their world, my world gets better, your world gets better, all of us get better. So, hooray for the change. Thank you.